You probably know the hits. hits. Those guys? You probably know the hits. Our, our target audience, maybe maybe we should be promoting, like, dating apps. <laughs> I feel like maybe our target audience is, I don't want to use the word lonely, but lonely. <laughs> Definitely. Like, people doing well are not listening to this. <laughs> That's the thing. Right, right. Uh, people who are not doing well... Yeah, yeah, that sounds right. So, uh, episode two of the podcast, right? Um, mm-hmm. yep. Last week we covered Matchbox Twenty. Uh, uh, that was our best. That was our best one. That it's true. It's it's uh, it's kind of a um, a blessing and a curse to uh, <laughs> to peak so quickly. To be, you know, yeah. I don't want to say one hit wonder, but you know, I mean. Once you talk about Smooth featuring Rob Thomas from the uh, you know platinum selling Grammy award winning uh, album Supernatural by Santana, I mean, where else is there to go? I, but I just got to say that you know one of my calling cards is climaxing fast, and so I think that um, <laughs> I've heard you know, that this this you. was yeah. this was to be expected. <laughs> this was to be expected. So. Uh, I don't think anybody should be surprised by the way this has gone so far. Right, right, definitely not. So, uh, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so yeah. um, where do you go now? What do you do now? Right, where do you go exactly. from that? Huh? I, the only thing I can think of is, uh, you know, are you ready? Have you, you got your whiskey? Um, yeah, we got something here. Okay, okay, that's good. Just if you, in case you were thinking, uh, dear listeners, that uh, Matchbox Twenty might be the most embarrassing band uh, we will cover. Um, I, I don't think that's true. Jeremy, what uh, what band have you chosen uh, to discuss well, this week from my from my I, list there? Yeah, here's the thing, and this is why you're a better person than I am because you saw my list and you didn't hesitate to pick a band that I have no doubt you have zero interest in. Right, right. Like right. You, you have never spent any time thinking about Matchbox Twenty, right? Uh, and yet you you chose that. And when I saw your list, I just spent like days, like trying to wrap my head around, like, oh man, do I, man, am I in the right headspace to have Jason talk for an hour about like the Deftones? I don't know that I can do that. Um, so I went in a. I went in a direction of a band that I actually have had some level of interest in, but know nothing about, have never seen them live, and know nothing beyond two songs. Um, and that band is Garbage. Are you talking about the Smashing Pumpkins or the band Garbage? No, that band is Garbage. <laughs> you have to be more specific out of Pumpkins. my list of, uh, I, of nominees. <laughs> So, I could have been talking about the Deftones, but no, I'm talking about... Uh, garbage, all right. That band is is the band, uh, the band Garbage, who I, um, you know, I, I'm aware of Garbage. I, um, I'm I'm fine with a couple of songs that I know. They, like, it always intrigues me. It's like one of those bands that every time I hear those songs, I'm like, man, I should get into this band, and then I never do. Right. And so... I am I am here for you to tell me about garbage from someone who was probably a fan well before me because my interest in this band has only come about in the last probably two years or so. Okay, two years really, man. You've heard only happy when it rains, you know, a billion times throughout your life, but the last two years has kind of been on your radar of like, hmm, maybe well, that band's all right or. Well, the, the the one I heard when I was a teenager was Stupid Girl. Right. Oh, okay. 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 Second album. Second album. This might be that like your Matchbox that, Twenty oh, thing last week, yeah. where you're like, "Wait, okay, there's more so, than one yeah. album." <clears throat> there's more than one album. So to me, "Stupid Girl" was the song that, like, I to me that was like their hit. Right. Okay. Okay. So I, I, did, I did. I've heard. It, you know, I'm only happy when it rains. I know that song. Sure. But "Stupid Girl" was like that was the song that that's when I think of garbage. Like that's to me the song I think of. Okay. Um, 
but I have a greater interest in them, and I'll tell you why um, as we go through this. But, sure. But um, I'm now passing the ball to you. Sure, sure. To tell me what's what's the deal with garbage? All right. Well, I mean, you know, as a uh, narcissistic uh, podcast podcast host, I feel like it's my duty to give you the origin story. Right, it's it's oh, pretty, oh please, it's, it's pretty simple. Because I, I live, I, I live for this stuff. I want to know like how they met. I want to know the detail. I want to know the gossip of the band. Like yes, I live for this. Right, right. But I was saying more specifically something much more historically important, which is how I came to know about garbage. So, so, okay. so we'll, we'll, we'll start. <laughs> so I had a friend when we were, uh, when we went to school together, uh, 15, 16, I don't know, he was a couple years older than us. Uh, I would hang out with him and play Super Nintendo games. And his parents had the most helpful resource on the face of the planet. And that was something, I think it was called the Christian Monitor. Have you ever heard of this? It was a magazine oh, put out to, for parents to know the filth that was in movies. It literally would really? count the cuss words. It would count the, the nudity scenes. Basic, I, basically the handbook for a teenage dude to figure out which movies he wants to watch. Right. I think maybe next week we should just talk for an hour about the Christian Monitor. Because, that's, yes, I'm familiar with that. <laughs> that's and great. This is the only time I saw it in my life. We, it was, it was yeah. the most ironic thing of all time. His parents, for years, were like, I thought we subscribed to this thing, but I, have you seen it, honey? I've never... And, you know, it sounds like, oh, that... What a relief. I was worried you guys would stop me from seeing movies. You know, it happened to be the same guy who bought the Braveheart laser disc edition because that was the only widescreen one you could get. So when the guy uh, decapitates the other guy, you see the head fly for just three more seconds off the screen, which mm -hmm. thanks to the Christian, Mo Christian Monitor, we realized, you know, uh, existed, right? Hey, don't go buy the laser disc copy. It's even worse. They have the curse words in there more two more times. So anyway, I, I, to wrap this up, that was my um, like a little bit of an idol to me. He kind of set me mm -hmm. on certain bands he was into and whatnot. And he wasn't like the Metallica dude or punk rock dude, but he had that first garbage CD, and he also had Bush yeah. and I think some Pearl Jam ones and whatever. And when I saw the Pearl Jam, I was like, whatever this guy says is gold. So to me, it was like this cool, edgy music. You know, it's a sort of a sultry uh, singer at the time it was um only happy when it rains which is like i probably their mm -hmm. biggest hit of all time was the one that was on the radio and i remember buying that cd and just listening to it a lot and just and just liking it for years and being like man this, this record is pretty good and not really knowing a ton about them which is you know so what uh, so wait a minute did you read about garbage in the christian monitor i did not however my buddy okay. who, who had the the immaculate movie taste thanks to the Christian Monitor, mm -hmm. I assumed also, and he, he did. He turned out to have some pretty good music taste, um, you know, as this podcast is going to uh, is going to show. So that record, yeah. I liked it a lot. It, uh, they definitely have a pop sort of electronic song sound to them. It, it's it's a blend, you know, of alt rock and just just noise. It, to my, in my opinion, it's Nine Inch Nails mm -hmm. light. It's let's take some power tools. You know, and uh, put them into a microphone okay. and then play with some guitar pedals for like three days and then, you know, mm -hmm. call it a day. And then I put some some vocals on top of it, which is which is actually how that first album came to be. I, I don't know. Are you familiar with like the members of the band at all? Have you looked into that? I, obviously, Shirley Manson, the lead singer, is like the most popular, I guess, face to the band. But th there's some heavy hitters in there. Yeah, I, I actually don't know that I could have even named the lead singer. Okay. Um, which is unusual because usually when I get into a band, like I go all in. Right. Like I, I like dig deep. And even as we'll find out when we talk about someone like Boston, even when I'm kind of into a band, I'll go all in. Right, right. Um, and just learn everything about them. But I had never taken the time to do that. Uh, okay. With garbage. Sure, sure. So uh, have you ever heard the name Butch Vig by chance? That name is vaguely familiar. Okay, that's that's criminal. I'm, I'm seeing where the okay. Matchbox Twenty thing from last week came from. This is, okay. You know, there's yeah. there's a certain level of education, and you know, if you don't if you don't get there, you don't get there. There's no no 
no, you know, insult to you directly, just kind of side sideways insult there. But um, so Butch, Vig- oh, okay. Butch yeah. Vig is a uh, record producer, right? He's a guy who had, um, mm-hmm. weirdly enough, in Wisconsin, um, Madison, Wisconsin, had a uh, mm-hmm. recording studio, which, you know, that you know, there's Electric Ladyland in New York City, famously. There's, there's you might have heard of Sound uh, City over in L.A., you know, really big one. Uh, and yes. then there's uh, Smart Studios <laughs> up in really? Wisconsin. And I think... I think it's one so of those there's, things. There's, so there's, Go ahead. there's Abbey Road, right, Abbey yeah, Road, there's right. Olympic Studios, there's yep. the record plant. Yes. And there's this place in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah, right, exactly. Smart Studios. And, and you can imagine these guys doing okay because in particular, Wisconsin's in the middle of fucking nowhere. You know, I don't know. What I've the, been there. Yes. Yeah. What's the closest city? Chicago, twenty-three hours away. I, I don't. You know, it's it's. Well, there there is there are cities in Wisconsin. I don't know if you know this. There are cities in Wisconsin. What? Uh, what? Cla- Mill- okay, wait, maybe we should we should Mill- start Milwaukee. with. Let's roll back a little bit. Yeah. I'm surprised. What constitutes a city? Is that is that two, three or more people? I, I mean, it must be low if Wisconsin's got cities. Do, do you know? Well. And I'll say this, no offense to those listening from Wisconsin right now. Sure. No offense, no offense meant to them at all. Sure. Um, it's home to uh, Milwaukee, which is Algonquin for the good land. Okay. Um, it is home to Oshkosh, where I actually have some family. And your mom probably bought you some Oshkosh Bagash overalls when you were four years old. <laughs> as well as when and I was 20, which is why we're here today, <laughs> talking about garbage <laughs> in 2020. It's explained. It doesn't just explain everything. It doesn't just explain everything. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, no, Oshkosh is a real city, and that's where those clothes are made, I suppose. Um, so, But Chicago would be the largest uh, major, major city, although those in Milwaukee would fight you if right. you uh, said that that wasn't true. Milwaukee, uh, not Milwaukee, but uh, Wisconsin, also home uh, to the Making a Murderer Netflix series. And maybe we'll talk about that one of these days. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, know, um, that, that, don't dovetails, forget, I'm sorry. that dovetails well don't into the Jeffrey Smart Dahmer. Studios story. <laughs> okay, don't forget Jeffrey Dahmer. I'm sorry, I, I'm sorry <laughs> right, I left him out. Right, right, right. No offense to the Dahmer family. Right, right. So, yeah, this guy he, he there's there's a great documentary about Smart Studios that uh, they made a couple of years ago, a little bit after the um, after the uh, Sound City one came out, which is also mm-hmm. excellent, excellent documentary. Um, and it was like, you can imagine, uh, Madison, Wisconsin, one of these places, kind of like, uh, if you've been there, like Tyler, Texas, Fredericksburg, Texas, you know, real small downtown that's that's, that's dead, that's, you know, was, was maybe was something, you know, 50, 100 years ago or something. It, maybe it's got some government buildings in there, but like you can you can rent anything for a song, right? Which, uh, no pun intended, but uh, these guys, they rent this like you know, basically rotting out warehouse and put some recording music in it. And there's, you know, apparently a punk scene in the area. So these guys cut their teeth on recording punk music for local bands. So you're familiar with local bands. We talked about last week about, you know, the guitarist from Matchbox 20. Is he going to be like, I quit this band. I'm just going to local gig with a bunch of teenagers. Imagine your your bread and butter being these guys being like, man, I can pay you in uh, you know tickets to my free show next week. These guys are turning out records, you know, over and over and over, getting getting some experience very very quickly. And they've turned out they turn out about two hundred records or something, or just tons and tons and tons wow. of these records. They got they got their local players, kind of like we might have, uh, you know, Todd Lewis from the Toadies up in the Texas area, right? This guy helps other Ooh. people, you know, whatever. So they yeah. they have they have one of these guys. This guy becomes the guitarist for uh, Garbage. Maybe you can Google while I'm talking. I, I cannot. It, it's Duke something or not. Um, let me see here. The 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 guitar player. Yeah, let's see. Duke. Uh, Duke Erickson. So yeah, he was he he had some band. It's pretty pretty big in that area. Um, I, I, I maybe even nationally known or something. Uh, Smart Studios recorded that. Smart Studios run by Butch Butch Vig, and uh, let me open my little wiki one more time. And mm. Steve Marker, which might look familiar if you're looking at that wiki. That's two of the other band guys in Garbage. So Butch Vig opens this little studio. His friend uh, mm-hmm. Steve Marker, you know, records with them. Sometimes they even record Duke Erickson's records a little bit. 
you fast forward the clock a little bit, um, like right on the cusp of the 90s, like 1991, uh, a band who has, you know, one of the little sub pop record things, you know, not Nirvana, but like, you know, one of the little things is kind of like getting on the college radio and whatnot. They have their first little single come out. I believe it's called I Am One. The next thing they do is they get a little bit of money and they go over to fucking Madison, Wisconsin, because I'm sure because it's fucking cheap. They go from Chicago specifically to Madison, Wisconsin, record their first album, Gish, and that's the Smashing Pumpkins. It's it's kind of a thing. It's it's pretty big for five or six months or something like this. And then another record that was recorded at Smart Studios, Nirvana's Nevermind, came out, and nobody remembers Smashing Pumpkins' first record at all. So, Smart Studios. I have goes, heard of a little record called Nevermind. You have, yeah, yeah. I have too. It, uh, yeah. it has the smash hit uh, "Smells Like Teen Spirit." Come as you are. It does not have the song "Rape Me." That was on another record later that we probably cover if we ever do a Nirvana. And yeah, and the thing—the thing about those records, all those band members, very well adjusted. Very, very well adjusted. Very, which makes no sense. Issues you know, uh, right? Which makes sense being a band that's kind of taking off in a major city. You know, I don't—I don't know. Nirvana guys are kind of up in the hills. You know, in uh, the Seattle area, and whatnot. You know, mm-hmm. even it's you can't even call it Seattle technically. And you know, uh, the Pumpkins are down in Chicago, and like, well, we can't afford this, I guess. So they go over to Smart Studios. They record this first record. It actually does pretty good. It's sort of psychedelic. Uh, you know, Jane's Addiction mixed with the Cure kind of thing or whatever. Yeah. You know, Nirvana hasn't happened yet. Nirvana is happening. Soundgarden and Nirvana have a couple little records out that nobody cares about. It's this grungy garbage that's you know out there. So um, that happens. Never mind happens. Now this this studio is fucking huge. Like you know, everybody in the world needs to record the studio because it's the Abbey Road of whatever. Which of course everybody gets there and goes, wow, this is like. I had a college, you know, efficiency apartment that was three times bigger than the studio. What the fuck, right? They right. they wind up they wind up sort of like rebuilding one. If you ever watch any of the like uh, Smashing Pumpkins sort of documentaries on Siamese Dream, which is coincidentally the best record of all time in the history of man, might be arguably. I'm going to keep on talking so Jeremy can't interrupt about that fact. Miami's Dream was recorded there as well, huh. and if you look at the documentaries we'll there versus the Sound C- or sorry, the Smart Studios documentary, you'll see that they kind of they got a little bit of money after Nevermind and were able to upgrade to it being a um, a proper studio. And around that time, it was sort of between Siamese Dream and Melancholy, which was not recorded at Smart Studios and was recorded somewhere else, um, they uh butch vig steve marker and uh duke erickson got together and were just kind of fucking around started making some music Mm -hmm. that was uh you know slightly electronic slightly alt rock something that they thought at the time was looking forward a little bit we're we're talking about the era this is you know 95 96 you know kurt cobain's gone we're getting to the point where you know black hole sun is coming out you know, um, yeah. you know, Bush is really big. Everclear started to hit. A lot of these little bands are kind of like the second and third. Like, let's clean up grunge a little bit. You know, sound a little bit cooler. Or oh, let's let's make grunge listenable. Yeah, right. Exactly. That's what they said. Right. Okay. Pretty pretty much. Right. So these guys, they put up, they put this record together, and then they go and find a singer. They're like, well, this is pretty good. None of us can sing. Butch Vig in particular is the drummer. Uh, Steve Marker is the bassist. Uh, Duke Erickson is the guitarist. This is what they play, you know, when they're live, what they're doing. But I think all of them kind of have a hand in everything. And it really, if you listen to Nirvana, you listen, sorry, you listen to Nevermind, and you listen to Siamese Dream, and even if you listen to Gish a little bit, and then you go listen to that first garbage record or any of them, really. You really hear the sound, the specific sound that that guy has of the way he makes dirty music sound clean and almost like somehow it's from the future a little bit. It just always feels a little bit ahead of what's going on. Even when you listen to it now, it's hard to make it sound dated compared to other things, other contemporaries. They came out with a record. They toured yeah. with uh, Smashing Pumpkins on their Melancholy tour, and that really helped them quite a bit. I think, you know, being the producer of the biggest fucking albums, you know, arguably um, in the decade helped this guy rub elbows and do pretty good. Sure. 
the singer is you know we'll, we'll we'll pause in a moment here but the singer is an interesting story too she was in a band with i guess a friend i'm not sure uh, that was like from the uk or scotland which is i think where she's from um that was called angelfish angelfish had some kind of record come out it literally had a music video that was played one time and one time only on mtv and the guys <laughs> happened to be watching MTV that night, and they were like, she has a great voice. Let's go see if we can talk to her. These guys okay. are in their, you know, I think they're in the 30s. They've got to be in their 30s because they've been doing this for a while and whatnot. And she's young and fresh-faced, early 20s, like, at, you know, at the oldest or something. And she comes yeah. along and does it. And it's great because she came out with uh you know only happy when it rains there's another song off that one called uh queer which is a really great song um there's another one mm-hmm. called milk which is a real sultry kind of um almost like a trip hop song if you've heard of like a portis head or um yeah yeah you know these sort of slow moving electronic uh kind of a little bit of a sexy song if you ever heard um there was a song for a Bond film called The World Is Not Enough. They did that one, too. And Milk is kind of the okay. template for that that version of the song, those kinds of songs that they did where they were the real slow tempo, yeah. sort of down tempo thing. Um, there's great, like, literally coffee table book. This book that's like the size of a record, uh, like a 33 or whatever, mm-hmm. that is that goes through all of their little history, and it talks about how, mm-hmm. like, she, she basically got put in a sound booth. There is just songs are completely ready whatever and they you know she wrote lyrics i think they wrote some of the lyrics too like in particular i think the queer lyrics are written by um uh butch vig um and she she sang and they became a band they toured uh they opened for the pumpkins but i mean only happy when it rains like right out the gate that was the first single actually i don't think it was the first single i think first single was uh, a song called val which i think opens the record um, which you okay. probably never heard. Like it, it would just kind nope, of never didn't, heard. didn't chart at all. And then only happy run rains like uh, broke, and you know it's it's history from there. So I'm I'm um, this is this is interesting because yeah you you did kind of skip over like this these guys who were just looking for a singer and then uh, boom they're opening for the pumpkins right. Um, so I'm, I'm glad you filled in those gaps. Um, I am. If you want to hear a very interesting garbage tidbit, sure. On April eighth, nineteen ninety four, I don't know if that date means anything to you. And I'm reading this from Wikipedia, okay. Which pretty much is always fact checked and correct. Specifically, it's fact checked and corrected by our audience, which is lonely nerds. Yes. So yeah. Yes. So in April 1994, Manson, uh, Manson met Erickson, Marker, and Vig for the first time in London. Later that evening, Vig was informed of Kurt Cobain's suicide. Man. So Vig learned, Vig, who produced Nevermind, learned of Cobain's suicide the day he met the lead singer for his new band, Garbage. That's crazy. That's, that's wild. Yeah, Definitely. And and Manson described her first session with the band as a quote disaster. <laughs> Man, well, she had you no... know, it's it's a pretty big band. Okay, they've done they've done some remasters, yeah. right? They they were big enough that they just did some remasters and did the usual '90s treatment where they release a second disc that's got like B sides, sure, you know, real mm-hmm. polished songs. You know, nothing that's like, hey, here's the deep cut of the you know the backing track to this that we did. You know, the funny version. That level has mm-hmm. not been. You know, it's it's rare to find a band that it has the ego to think they're big enough to be like the Beatles where it's like, man, what is the, you know, the harmonium part of strawberry fields? Can I buy that on a CD isolated? You know, um, but yeah. some bands are doing it. You know, Nirvana's got a box set that's called uh, with the lights out. If you ever check that out, it's awful, man. It has them uh, like covering whole lot of love and it's, it has to be the most awful cover of whole lot of love of all time. Uh, well, but there's there's a reason that stuff didn't get released in the first place. Like, there's a reason that they didn't put it on the album. Um, and and the only the only example I've ever seen where that's not true is Oasis, where there's like a thing there is like a thing where people will legitimately argue with good reason that like the Oasis B sides are better than the actual albums. 
which is really a critique that like they're not good at deciding what should go on the album. Interesting. Because uh, there's one in particular when we talk about Oasis that people often cite, like if this would have been on the album, the album would be thought of much more positively than it is. That's interesting. Um, you know, so, yeah. And and I don't know if Garbage, I have never, never listened to Garbage B-Sides, uh, so I don't know how those sound. I, I will say this. Uh, I've heard, I, I don't think I have legally i think that i downloaded you know mm-hmm. in college uh a collection where somebody's got the 19 european singles you know garbage sort of the electronic scene mm-hmm. so that's the thing where you come out with a single and actually a single just as just a fucking remix of the song and you gotta get part two and part three of the cd they're mm-hmm. one of those right where it's like yeah you know in, in the right. u.s it might be there's only happy and running rains uh cd it's got four tracks on it three of them are b-sides all the UK ones that cost twelve dollars import have one B side each and whatever. So, uh, so yeah, I downloaded them. But I will say this: the outtakes yeah. uh, for both of those records, and this is what I was trying to get to earlier, is they sound like more of the record. It sounds like they're like, no, nah, yeah. we're not putting sixteen tracks on it, we're putting twelve or whatever. They're they're all really it, done. So, what you were saying about Sean yeah. Anson's first take. That would be pretty delicious to hear, even if it's like a YouTube upload rather than they releasing a CD, you know, vinyl forever that you can, you know, make fun of or something. Uh, I saw a bootleg the other day that was Ozzy Osbourne singing, uh, singing lessons recorded that I have not downloaded yet. But that that level of uh, inside the studio magic, it's got to be, yeah. it's got to be something magical, right? Compared to what you're your picture of these people are right. Well, you forget like to get a lot of times to get the take you heard, like they've been playing it for days. That's you know? true. Like, That's true. And they, they there's 300 it, right? takes the that they threw on the yeah. tra- ground immediately. Like those yeah, just record they, they over that it. tape. Fuck that altogether. Yeah. Right? It's they're not digital. So, they're yeah. so tight. They're right. so tired of it by the time they finally get the right one. Right that they've just, they've had it. You know, Tom Petty's Refugee is one like that. Like, they just, they hated that song by the time they finally got it right because they'd played it so many times to finally get it right. And, but it sounds like with Garbage, the difference is, like, these guys were, like, professionals. Yeah, Like, they were professionals, and they found this singer who maybe was not quite as much of a professional. Exactly, absolutely. And brought some life to the the band that that may not have really existed. I mean, they make some really great tracks, and on that first one in particular, she had no input whatsoever into what the music was like. You know, maybe maybe she couldn't make some great lyrics or sing for some of these things. They became B-sides or whatever, right? Or maybe some of the guys disagree, and like that, even though all the parts are great on this, I don't want that on the record or something, you know? But um, that's that's a great characterization. Is that these are guys that are practically veterans? It's almost like the Eagles story, like you're saying, you know, where it's like these guys have been around. These are studio wizards, and they start making yeah. something. And, and in particular, they're the guys. The band comes in and says, "I want to make my songs. Here's how they sound." And they're like, "Okay, yeah. kiddo, I'm gonna like." move that mic quite a bit to the left and we're going to do this other kind of thing and we're going to run this through this particular box before we throw it into the you know uh into the monitor you know or you know into the board the soundboard or whatnot um so these are guys who they did they had a good handle on that so there wasn't like a you know angelfish wasn't the first record right it wasn't this sort of like something comes out that's like ah you know this is the first time they've done it all these guys had bands too that like you i don't even know i've never looked into them but like i said the um the duke erickson guy apparently had a pretty popular band um in in his area i do believe that uh butch fig had a couple of bands too maybe even one where he's saying might might be atrocious i i don't know you know or whatever but um yeah but yeah i think there's a couple of things like you said the um it's a it's a girl singer. This is just a little bit after mm-hmm. um, Jagged Little Pill, like maybe within a year. Oh or yeah, right. Yeah. So Lance Morissette like opened like just blew the door open for anything that's some kind of um, sort of alt rock rock chick period. Right is is gonna be golden. Sure. And in particular, Shirley Manson is a very like wholesome character with sort of a dirty edge to her, where it's like it's Courtney Love without the loud mouth, which is. Which is key because Courtney Love has a great personality and has a great sort of, you know, um, uh, you know, 
positive femininity and like this sort of like I'm not shutting the fuck up. I'm not supposed to like you know yeah. go be in the kitchen or whatever and stuff. But she but also, also runs her mouth a bit. Yeah, she's also yeah a total mess. Yeah. and I don't I'm, you know Shirley Manson gives me an impression that you know they in the book and some documentaries I've seen they they admit that they are they are avid drinkers. It makes sense. She's from Scotland. These guys are from fucking Wisconsin. I mean I to have survived this well, long, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, whatever. <laughs> but I, I would not be surprised if, you know, she's the kind of person who's never done anything hard like that, period, mm-hmm. right? Uh, really wholesome, yeah. really... She is a uh, extremely positive... We were talking about Rob Thomas last week being, like, you know, a real wholesome guy who's really surprisingly yeah. well-adjusted. I don't know a lot about her right. personal life, you know, before the band or anything like that. I, I really don't know a lot about any of them, uh, personal life-wise, but th- their image, the way that they communicate on Twitter and Instagram and all this kind of stuff, they use, they've been using their Instagram for uh, maybe three months now, just every day, posting uh, a, a, a new band, the, some band that influenced them or that they love and here's why and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, before that, they, they did a little project where I think Shirley actually runs Instagram. I get the sense that she does because it's, it's very... Um, first person the way that everything is written and she just like for months just featured different bands with like you know uh girl singers you know um you know the the distillers and hole and joan jett and linda ronstadt and all of these people so um yeah very very cool cool band so yeah that sounds um it sounds like they i don't mean it sounds like they were typical of a you know 90s grunge band and that they had their hits they stopped having hits yes but it doesn't sound like it ever imploded because i know that they tour and they come around dallas pretty regularly like they do every now. couple of years they do just coming to town they do now you just you just kind of uh accidentally skipped Did over. I just pick it back up you just okay. just skipped <laughs> over the, the drama a little bit they um like all okay. oh, like all bands drama. yes you know, uh Yes. Especially, especially a band that uh, you know gets the, gets their start in the middle, right? The mid '90s or whatever, or, or early sure. '90s, right? I mean, you know, Soundgarden. I'm sure released a record three or four years ago. I remember before Chris Cornell died, they went on tour with Nine Inch Nails. Mm-hmm. I have no doubt that was probably a record they were supporting. I ask half of the guys in Soundgarden what that record was called, and they probably don't know. Right, garbage had that same thing. Where like, yeah. like you said, like uh, version two which uh, was the second record, did really well. That's the one that has a special on it. And uh, you know what, Stupid mm-hmm. Girls actually off the first one. Sorry, I, I keep thinking okay. you were saying sp- special. Yeah, Stupid Girls on the first one as well, which was the single yeah. after Only Happy When It Rains. So maybe you haven't okay. heard. Uh, let me try and think. The, the singles off of the second one were a special and a song called Push It. And uh, and you might recognize them the ra- them on the radio in that in that their their elevator music you know um, uh, what do you call Man. it like compatible you know like as in it's 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 not Maybe. it's not edgy it's not really pushing the whatever but in some kind of a coffee shop in the late you know in early two thousands or like a you know upscale hotels is kind of trying to advertise her with it they might be playing. Okay. This kind of, you know, you could play Wallflowers and Garbage on the, the elevator radio and people be like, ooh, this place is pretty edgy, right, or whatever. Um, but okay. they, they, but they, they did. They I don't know about Peaked or Pinnacled or whatnot, but, you know, the third record came out. Uh, I, it came out when we were in college, I guess, 2001, 2002. It, I, I love it a lot. Okay. Yeah. I, again, you might you might be surprised. There's three records. There's actually five or six of them. The fourth record comes out, doesn't do very good at all. They're kind of past mm-hmm. their prime, and they do. They break up, and I'm not sure if it's really um, a breakup. They kind of put it on pause. They put it on pause for like a decade or whatnot. And like you said, yeah. now now they're back. They've actually made a couple of records that I, I liked uh, the first one when they came back. The second one I haven't listened to so much. That's the most recent one. And I think they have another one in the can that's coming out pretty soon here. Um, but uh, interesting tidbit about the sort of the drama in the band there is like part of the reason, at least the, what Shirley Manson says uh, in retrospect, that they um, uh, the, they kind of put it to bed was that they were all kind of getting angry at each other. And um, she said in particular it was over royalties. Uh, she wasn't very specific, mm. but she said that uh, the band did not split it, you know, uh, you know, four ways 
which I mean, I, I can imagine from the person complaining about it being the person who was just kind of added as the last thought, then becomes the front to this band, the person all of the press is going crazy over, you know, all this kind of stuff. And then they're being like, yeah, you know, we're the professionals, you know, here's your 20% cut. Or even Butch Big being like, oh man, it's my studio. You other guys all get to split 30%. I don't know what the actual numbers were, but that they, they said that when they came back, they, they kind of hammered that out to be like, look, all four of us are sort of, you know, spending our lives doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's be fair, right? I have a lot to say about this subject on many bands, Perfect. so I won't go through all of my examples sure. because I'm going to talk about them as we talk about some other bands. Sure. Um, but, you know, like as an example, one band I don't think is on either of our lists is like R.E.M. Okay. And R.E.M., like they said you know, like years ago, like we are splitting everything four ways all the time, no matter what. Okay. And that alleviated a lot of issues. And the flip side of that is you have like Bon Jovi, also not on either of our lists. And like John Bon Jovi, like he gets paid a lot more than the other guys in Bon Jovi. And right. he does that because it's his band. Right. Like he, he writes the majority of the songs. He sings the songs. He does the promotion. Like he should get paid more, you know, like he, he absolutely should get paid more. And I think he's had managers tell him, like, if you don't get paid more, you're going to be bitter at these other guys because they're getting paid the same as you and they're not Bon Jovi. Right. You know, so I think every band is a little bit different as far as the way they handle that. But certainly if I'm the lead singer, if I'm like the fake, cause like, Butch Vig is a uh, important figure in this band, clearly, but he's not the face of the band. Right. You know. Right. So, if I'm if I'm the singer of this band, yeah, I'm probably pretty pissed off too, because I'm I'm probably thinking to myself, you know what? We could replace the drummer, and not many people would know. Which is hilarious. But if and you amazing, try to re- because yes. the drummer is this fucking guy that's like, it, it, like it's practically yes. like like. It exists because of and and persists but, because of because Butch Vig is still yeah. a guy. If you did you see oh, um, yeah. did you see Sound City? Did you see um, Sonic Highways? The Foo Fighters uh, HBO thing? No, no, I, I saw the Foo Fighters documentary, uh, like just uh, their retrospective, like right, right, they put right. out a few oh, probably man. about seven or eight years ago. I man. saw that and that was awesome. But no, I did not watch Sonic Highways. I heard that. It was basically a documentary about a band making a terrible album. It was pretty much. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. Okay, look, also you like, have to be prepared. Are you familiar with what a lyric video is? Am I familiar with who? A lyric video. Have you ever seen these videos that have the lyrics on them where they're written out and scrabbled while the song's being sung? I mean, I've I've seen I see on YouTube like there's a music video with lyrics. Right, right. Okay, imagine that yeah. with the alt rock scribble, like as if Kurt Cobain is writing the song, okay. the song as it's happening. Okay, so I'm just yeah. per- trying I'm trying to prepare you for this. That as soon as you see that mm-hmm. part, and it happens in every episode. It, it happens every episode. Mm-hmm. It's at the end. You have to you have to just stop. You have to stop the film immediately and just skip okay. the next episode. So so the okay. format of this of the show is that. Uh, well, first of all, uh, Dave Grohl is behind this um, behind this documentary of a very very famous record studio called uh, Sound City. This is where yeah. uh, um, Lindsey Buckingham and um, uh, help me out, help me out. What's her name? Uh, Stevie Nicks. Stevie Nicks. This is where they recorded that uh, their their record together before Fleetwood Mac. This is where they uh, actually worked. The studio hounds, where they were, they were just like kids working at the studio and whatnot. This is a mm-hmm. big fucking studio where uh, some really big records have been made. And in particular, part yeah. of Nirvana, if part of Nevermind was like mastered there or something at the end. So okay. Dave Grohl has this particular you know affinity to it. It was getting shut down, and it, you know it's one of those things where when you see the documentary versus like I don't know if you saw the movie um, Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist. There, there's a scene in that one where they're in uh, Electric Ladyland studios or whatever and you're like wow this okay. is not this is a studio that's not going anywhere this this is a multi-million dollar loft that's just happened right. to have music equipment in it sound city in 2016 where this was getting closed down did looked like it sounds like uh, smart studios in wisconsin was when it started did not look like in good shape and dave Grohl was like look i want to make a documentary about the studio before it closes sonic highways was sound city the miniseries 
what they did is they went to different studios in different cities and they recorded one song in the, each each studio. And, you know, they, they okay. made a record. The record did awfully. Uh, the songs, <laughs> in, in my personal opinion, are not good. I don't think there's a single one of them that was good. And bonus level, mm-hmm. at the very end of every fucking episode, here's a song you recorded. It always has one guest person. One of them was, like, was fucking Joe Walsh. One of them was, uh, one of them was the disc had for Cutie Guy. You know, whatever, they're in the studio and they're talking about, like, what happened here. The first episode is DC, right? They, they, they're they in DC talking uh-huh. about, like, Bad Brains, which is where uh, Dave Grohl grew up there loving this band. They'll go to Seattle and talk about Nirvana a little bit and whatnot. It's really cool because they, they go to these really awesome, like, world-famous or at least locally famous uh, recording studios in, like, a dozen of them. Um, yeah. Butch Vig still to this day is the you know the i guess producer du jour slash slash recorder you know everything like complete record producer mm-hmm. from beginning to end for all the foo fighters stuff so he has a quite a bit of uh uh i guess i'd say speaking parts and stuff where he's he's in there just casually like he's okay. the seventh man member of the band or whatever and such yeah and he yeah. um i that's all I have, really. But I, th- that is to say that, like, Butch Vig has been sort of an active person. It sounds like some of the other people went underground. But, you know, I I got to understand that, right? You get from 1995 or 96 to 2005, maybe you got these royalty situations going on. Maybe not, but the money's dwindling anyway. In 2005 for alt-rock or anything that resembles alt-rock, that's, man, you're you're a trooper at that point, right? I mean, there's, at that point, people were like, Nickelback yeah. is kind of the joke or something but besides oh God, that there's, yeah. there's no there's no rock and roll hitting the radios of people like yeah man rock is no, not dead and, at all right and so what they do is they're playing like when they've come around here like a few years ago like you know garbage play the south side ballroom which is a cool little place right exactly but i mean it's it's Five, small, it's club maybe you know yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, I think five thousand is a very generous stretch. Right, exactly. When it, so when um, I saw them, no, I, like, I saw them on the version two point tour uh, in in ninety eight, ninety nine, or something. And even mm-hmm. that was I don't know if you remember the place, the Bronco Bowl, which is like a three thousand seater. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know, it, it, it was yeah. it was packed or whatever. But like I mean, compared that's to a, I mean the, that's a legendary venue, but yeah, it's a small place. Right, exactly. Compared to you know the last time they've been through, probably was on that melancholy tour with the Pumpkins, where it's a freaking reunion arena. 40,000 people or whatever right um, so that so was the when would not, that have, when would that have been like the, nine, the time before that like the okay yeah so they were their star their star was rising yes like I that's the thing I feel like their star rose pretty quickly and then it started to come down pretty quickly yes and they they've like a lot of bands in the 90s they've had a couple of hits that kind of hung on right and, definitely. and are still hits and are hits big enough where they could certainly go hold their own on a tour of small venues now. Sure. And I think that because I know, like I know some hardcore garbage fans, like there are absolutely like big time hardcore garbage fans out there who huh. are like into not just those hits, like they are big oh, fans yeah. I mean, of I, the band. I, I can list, you know, um, I don't know about all of the singles in order, but the first mm-hmm. seven of them are something crazy. And, you know, I, 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 I can go on and on about all the tracks I love on each of the records. Yeah, and on, for sure. I, I, it's, and, but at the same time, like reading that coffee table book was freaking cool. Like it was a great like yeah. band bio with really high gloss, big areas dedicated to like pictures behind the concerts and all this kind of stuff and whatnot. But uh, I, yeah. I, I don't, I don't think about them every day. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I'm no, I don't know if anyone thinks about them every day, but I, I definitely know some people that will like, they will go see garbage every time they come to town. Interesting. And, I am. Uh, I'm sad. I've never done it. So, what got me really interested? Because I like. I knew Stupid Girl. I, I'd heard. I'm always happy when it rains. Like I knew it, but it never. Like I never thought much of it. Um, but I was driving. So I don't remember when. This was probably seven or eight years ago. It was right before every car was equipped to like just Bluetooth up to your phone. Right. You know. So I was in like a rental car. And this was back when I traveled a lot. So I'm driving around somewhere in the Southeast. And I, my, so I'm like, I'm doing what I never do anymore, which is I'm just doing the seek 
function sure. on the radio right. as I'm driving somewhere through Tennessee or something, trying to find a radio station. And I hit on um, Stupid Girl, and it's it's a live version of that song. Hmm. I'm like, oh, I've never heard this version, yeah. so I'm listening to it. Well, this station is broadcasting like an entire garbage show. Okay, okay. And so I stick with it. And then every song after the next, I'm like, man, this is really good. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. This is like every every song, I'm like, man, I'd love to see these guys. Like, they're really good live. Yeah, like, I would love to see this. Consistent. I would yeah. Say. And because it, it's a sound, it's, it's, it, it's definitely the garbage sound, yes. the, gosh, the garbage song, if we will. There, there's two or three. Yes. There's two or three songs, and, and they're done in different yes. ways over and over. But it's good. I mean, if you're into it, man, it's, it's But the sound solid. is good. Yeah. Yeah. It's but the not, sound it, is... It's not, like, it's not that there's only happy when it rains, and then you buy the CD, and the rest of it is like an acoustic record with somebody just kind of singing yeah. some, you know, some stuff that they wrote in an open mic, right, or whatever. Right. It's, it's like, because if I'm going to get into a, a band, like, I... Like, it's hard for me to stick with a song I haven't heard before. Right. Like it has to grab me pretty quickly yeah, before yeah. I click right. on over to the next, especially now with Spotify. Like you just, yeah. there's no commitment involved. I didn't have to go buy a CD, you know, like I'm just, okay, I'll listen to that for two seconds. Nope. Out next. Um, this is why I've never gotten into Radiohead because I just, I can't, I can't do <laughs> Every it. song requires um, nine minutes like of every song is just In particular, those Lord, nine minutes are three tracks theory, you know? before that track on the record before that track starts to <laughs> yeah. sound, you know, halfway interesting God, because you've waited through those other three and you're like, you know what? Anything yeah. is better than this. Anything. Oh my God, this is so oh. good. <laughs> I can't handle it. I cannot handle it. So, I, you know, it takes some time. Like, even like this, this will sound strange, but like, even like Willie Nelson, like, no, the voice and, and that guitar sound, like, that'll grab me right away. Right. So I'm in. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I will stick with it right. and hear that song out. And I, I feel like Garbage is one of those bands. Like, they have a sound, and that sound is a, it's, it's a, it's, this will sound strange, but you kind of alluded to it earlier. It is grunge and it's polished yes, at the same absolutely, time. Absolutely, and it's it's a very very good mix of the two. And um, I'm I'm sad I've never seen them live. I hope I'll have a chance to do that because I, I definitely want to. because uh, yeah, I absolutely. think I would be into them if I really if I really did a deep dive. Like I think I'd be into it. Right, and then like I said, I, so, I think that's the only time I saw them was in 98 or whatever, which is pretty much peak. Version 2, uh, well, you know, that second record mm-hmm. did pretty good. I feel like I'm obligated to mention another uh, historical moment in, uh, you know, in the history of the world, which is when I personally got the, the lead single for version 2.0 um, that was pushing. Mm-hmm. And I was actually sitting in the parking lot of, uh, you might have heard of this place before, Big Wheel Skateland, listening to that what? CD. Uh, I presume in secret, because already back then when we were 15 and 16, you being the DJ, me being the, you know, uh, somewhat lower ranked, like, you know, basically janitor level, the guy who hands out skates to five-year-olds or whatever, uh, there was was a bit of a... um, a push and a pull, I would say, when when I would be like, hey, Jeremy, can you play this Cure song? And you would be like, I'm never going to listen to anything you want to listen to again. I do believe there are a couple songs I did trick you into listening to once again. And again, that set the hard boundary of we are never playing anything you like ever again. Nine Inch Nails, March of Pig well, comes, to, comes to mind. A 10-minute... Um, uh, Jane's Addiction song called Three Days, one of the best songs of all time. Again, one of those things that, like, mm-hmm. if Pink Floyd had made that record, that song, you wouldn't have shed all over it that night, but you said this is awful. Uh, in particular, we played it after uh, the place was closed, yeah. obviously, but we could have played it before to get everybody to leave. Right. And so, Ooh, yeah, this, definitely. This, right. And so, this is around yeah. that time. And yeah, it was, I, I remember getting that. It was the summer of 98, man. That comes out three yeah. or four weeks later. The record comes out three or four weeks right after that in June. Uh, Smashing Pumpkins Adore comes out, which was a big record for me because it was the first one that came out like after I was a fan. I, I had been a fan like right around when Melancholy came out. A few rec- a few months after that, Marilyn Manson's Mechanical Animals. Like my, my top two, three, several of my, you know, 
top 10 records that summer because I'm 16 or 17. I, of course, it doesn't matter. Whatever garbage, you know, no pun intended, comes out. Of course, that's just what's stapled on my identity as like, this is the most important music of all time. Uh, that was an exciting time. And I remember listening to that single quite a bit. And I do think I probably was like, man, Maybe I could get Jeremy to play this, you know, right after we, what do we always open with All Star or Walking on the Sun? Walking on the Sun, you know, 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, we're playing My Heart Will Go On, you know, the Green Day Time of Your Life song. Somewhere in there, we probably could have played a garbage song. But, you know, I was, uh, I was more careful at those times when I would be like, hey, Jeremy, check this out, you know. I definitely played Stupid Girl. There's no doubt. Yeah. That was on one of those top hit CDs that Interesting. we had. Interesting. Okay, okay. Because uh, you'd, you'd get these like top 40 CDs right. every month or something right, like that. Right, exactly. Um, that can't, they weren't like, you could not buy them in stores. Like mm-hmm. you had to subscribe mm-hmm. to like the music publishing companies. Yep. Yep. And they would send these CDs that were like not for public use. And right. they just had like a mix. Right. And so I definitely played Stupid. I never opened with All Star and I'm insulted by that. You're right, but was walking um, on the sun that was the regular so that, well, i never it just, opened with it, it just yes, happened, it, we played it for no, sure. no we absolutely opened with it like every night for at least a period no there. way Not yeah me. dude the kids Not the me. kids the kids coming in the door it was like here's the song we play to start with i remember no. distinctly you man. know what i you know what i would open you know what i would open with and i remember this because it was an easy CD to like put in and get the first couple of songs going in case I had to go help, like let people in or something like that. Uh It was Mariah Carey's fantasy because you could play like the first three or four songs from that album and they were all like kind of popular. And, and, and so you could just put that in for a good, like 15 minutes in case I had to like leave the booth to go do something else. Okay, so I mean, so that to be fair, I've been to therapy before and learned that <laughs> there's a thing called blacking out memories, like where the brain experiences such trauma in a moment that it just it just it says, you know what, I'm not recording right now, and I have a feeling that might apply to the situation where the time where my brain would hurt well. and turn on, which maybe is an indictment of me and what kind of music I'm into would be when walking on the sun started playing uh well okay that yeah that's that's a logical uh a logical uh conclusion to reach (laughs) and there are songs i've been traumatized by from my time there as well that i just particularly the things i I would ask you to play probably yeah yeah you i don't remember and i because there was such a power imbalance i probably didn't play much of what you wanted me to play no definitely not i probably just like blew it off and was like there's a zero chance this, pretty much this but you know at the time I, I definitely at the time was very proud of and i don't know if this ever stopped but very proud that my music was not necessarily accessible um as evidenced yeah. by my my affinity for maybe the cure or Jane's addiction or you know even garbage to some degree, but they're very consistent for sure. And if if you like the singles, you really will like. I think the first four records. It was like like I said, there's a third one in 2001, a fourth one in 2005 or something, and then the sixth one came out. I don't know, man. We're talking 2016, 2015 when they got back together or something. And that one's a little bit more. These guys are you know in their 40s. You know, it's 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 the same style, whatever, but it's definitely updated a little bit. It doesn't sound like it's dated to be, man, this was cool in 1994. you got to understand, you know, son, this was yeah. pushing the edge. It, it's updated, which is cool and whatnot. But those those first but, three or four, if you like if you like any of them, it, yeah. it's all the same record. It's a four. It's a four part record. It's great. You know. Yeah, there was there was something at that time, um, especially for people like me and you. Uh-huh. That about being like a little bit careful about not liking music that was too popular. Absolutely. Even, this even this is we, probably exactly was... what happened with that single in particular. Yeah. I'm like, eh, right. You know, it's it's not as cool or edgy as Stupid Girl. I don't know how this record's going to do. What if it's yes. really, really awful? I, I'm just going to keep this to myself and, you know, be a, a teeny yeah. bopper in secret, right? Exactly. And so not ever I, mentioned to my friend, I'm sure, at 15, I was like, I will never mention to my friend that, uh, you know, Walking on the Sun is a banger, man. 
uh, but it's not. And <laughs> I don't I don't believe that you think that now. I, <laughs> At the time, what do we all do? No yeah, maybe the impression that I get was probably one of the ones we played compared to some of the things was, we had to play, such mighty, as that Mariah Carey. No, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't Smash Mouth. That was the Mighty, 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 mighty Boss Tones. I know, I know it was, exactly. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that we were playing, but it was, it was that era, right? Where it was like the, the fun yeah. stuff that was out there. Uh, Tub Thumper, right? Chumbawamba, I'm pretty sure, is one of them that we hit quite a bit. Yeah, They're like, man, you know, was... compared to some of the other things, uh, Barbie Girl? I don't know if you had to play Barbie Girl, but that was that era. Oh, right? yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was that's creepy. It's a creepy song, and yeah, it shouldn't yeah. be played Absolutely. ever for anyone. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, so Jane's addiction, famously, uh, famously founded by uh, the bassist, which is why some of their music is pretty interesting. It's very bass forward. It's uh, you know the, the guy uh, he he preferred uh, the bass, and he was also a great songwriter. And some of the other guys in the band were a little bit younger than him and whatnot. And so the bassist Eric Avery. Uh, kind of founded the band with the lead singer. Lead, it's very similar to the Garbage Story a little bit. We'll we'll talk about them more later. But that one I've actually seen numbers in one of the books about them, where the lead singer got something like fifty percent of the profits or sixty percent of the royalties in the contract. Yeah. This is a band that did two fucking albums, not twenty. So like that's right. it. That's it's all done. This is a iconic band, Pixies level, possibly bigger to some people. Definitely bigger to me personally. Mm-hmm. Um, they break up they reform later dave navarro is famously from that band and whatnot and eric avery is not there he is one of the two core founding members they they find dave navarro later they find stephen perkins the drummer later and eric is treated just like the rest of them in terms of the way the royalty mm-hmm. cuts I, there's probably the usual inner band, band turmoil i get a real oasis vibe from them when they kind of talk about each other it's, it's kind of from one end they're like ah oh, we love you eric and he's kind of like yeah i don't talk about them I, and it's not like they're fuck them it's just like whatever he's actually the basis the touring basis and i think even recording basis with garbage now steve marker's still there but they've added him so that's a cool interesting little thing of legacy where there's a you know it all kind of comes around and goes around and Eric Avery has done some other projects on the side too like over the years and whatnot okay. but, he, but for five or six years or something now he's been uh, their their touring basis at least and and uh, you know really good guy I will say that I, I don't yeah. I don't fi- follow Dave Navarro but uh, I do follow um, uh, Eric on Facebook and he, he seems like a, a good wholesome person too and I get that feeling sort of like we we're talking about the Matchbox 20 thing where there's not a lot of drama involved with garbage these are professionals yeah. uh, and somebody who probably when she was young was like oh my god how's this happening to me and t- turned out to be a well adjusted person as well um, a lot of so, the music deals with themes that are pretty dark uh, you know uh, mental health uh, obviously the usual breakups and um you know, uh, you know, people, people figuring out the world's not quite as ideal as they thought it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, these kinds of themes and whatnot. But man, like really wholesome band. And, and because of that splash effect, I feel the same about Eric Avery. Uh, in particular, I mean, the, the dude just didn't, you know, he didn't sign a contract where he's like, yeah, I know. Look, I was part of the founding here, so you guys get to split, you know, ten percent or whatever. But it turned out yeah. that the, it turned out that the singer was like ten years older. You know, I don't know if it's one of those things kind of a butch big deal where he had he had had a couple of bands that like at least had CDs released and stuff. And I, I'm not sure about Eric Avery, right. but I'm pretty sure he wasn't. And so that was just kind of what they fell into. They made it about two fucking years in that configuration, you know, burned out mm-hmm. real fucking fast, like Kurt Cobain would say he should or whatnot. And um, mm-hmm. and kind of made a legacy from there. Um, so that, that's kind of an interesting little bit of trivia is that the the. You know, the, okay. uh, that, that's not um, it's not the end of Jane's addiction, so to speak. All the guys kind of re- yeah. rehashed and became a, a reunion version of it. But this guy's doing all right, too. And that kind of uh, it leads into another real, real quick seg here, which is that um, Garbage for the last, I'm not sure if they're doing it the last couple of years, but for about five or six years there, we're doing a record store day single every year. And it was just, you know, one of these little things that you could you could go to a record store and get this special vinyl copy, I think, like a little 45, maybe it was a CD, especially made for that. But what was really cool about it was that they uh, had guest singers. Um, every song had a guest mm. singer. They had one 
that's called like uh, on fire or something or I, I think it's called yeah. chemicals or whatnot no no okay so the, the 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 single the the record store day song is called chemicals it has the silver sun pickups guy singing with her which is a really good <laughs> kind of duo right they're both these like sultry smoky voice kind of songs like silver suns to me the first time i heard them i thought it was a girl singer who just smoked a ton you know i was like man yeah. this lady's been on cigarettes <laughs> since she was three years old or whatever it's just some guy who has this particular style totally of singing well. uh very complimentary they have another one that's uh called uh, girls talk shit fucking great song man it's with uh brody dale of uh the distillers who mm-hmm. up until recently was uh married to josh homie of the queens of the stone age and uh i don't know if you know the distillers but it was kind of like one of those maybe late 90s early i think early 2000 2004 2005 range sort of alt punk bands or whatnot you know uh chick with you know the the short black hair the you know take uh take shirley manson and make her a little bit take take courtney love take shirley manson Mm -hmm. and find something in the middle that's brody dale she has a particular Mm -hmm. growl to her that uh is very similar to silver some pickups guy you think that maybe there's like another singer when she does sort of growling vocals and man all of those those little record store uh day things are on spotify really good besides i it's kind of like you said about oasis where like the record that they came out those came out between and stuff is kind of like man I don't know how many people were exposed to these songs to begin with, but these were your singles, man. Like, these should have been on that next record. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, so there's there's two things that I want to include in these uh, in these episodes, and we didn't do it in the last one. Sure. But it's something I thought about tonight okay. that I think these are two questions we need to answer Absolutely. for each of these bands. Okay. And for, for this band... I don't know. One of these questions might be tough to answer, and the other one might be pretty easy. Sure. Um, The first question is, who is the absolute worst person in the band? Like, who would you throw out of this band if you could? Because there are some (laughs) where you're like, man, this band is great, but the bass player is an asshole. Right. He's just such a jerk. Right. There are some bands. And I don't know if this is – the case with garbage it didn't sound like it is. it sounds like everyone's pretty cool so maybe there's not someone like that in right this band. yeah it, it, um, that's a real polarizing question in the case of these guys because it is it's really wholesome all the way through mm-hmm. I, I as an asshole my immediate instinct was uh steve marker who's one of the studio technicians he did he he and butch fig owned smart studios together it wasn't like he was just like the first tech who showed up like these guys you know, they created garbage. They created that studio, which created Nevermind and mm-hmm. Siamese Dream and blah, 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 blah. And he doesn't have much of a stage presence. That's the only thing I can say, man. I don't, I, 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 yeah. I gotta believe he's probably more than half of the uh, just taking sample after sample after sample of random shit and running it backwards and upside down and all this stuff. Interesting fact keep in mind if you if you do go check and check into and and, you know jump into that first self-titled record and version 2.0 keep in mind this is still on tape this is tape day so these guys are making what today you would think is like ah you know it's it's pink floyd like it's it's pretty cool you Mm -hmm. know i mean but they got computers no man this is before that really became much of a deal at all right i mean they had it a little but this shit was all like let's run it through a pedal again let's let's snip this up let's take this tape and cut it and stuff so it's pretty cool it took some respect but yeah i I think the one that i would kick out again i i don't know a lot about his personality seems like he's just kind of the quiet Mm -hmm. guy right uh if you've seen the movie almost famous they have the bassist mm-hmm. who does not talk to the little journalist at all <laughs> right and he's like so, so who would you say you breed to the band he's like i play the bass he's so, that, okay, he's that so guy there's a, there's a couple of big personalities in there and he's just he's just kind of the guy in the background so i guess so if i had fair, to clip one i guess say, yeah so it's fair to say there's no way to know really that he's the worst guy in the band right. but I, he would I, certainly be the most replaceable Right, I think that's like, not true. I think I think left, actually a current configuration. This is not fair to him. But the current configuration, I would obviously cut Eric Avery. Right, he's not a one of the original four. I don't know how much mm-hmm. he contributes to the thing and whatnot, but I do get the int- impression that maybe Steve Marker plays bass when he's live, and maybe he doesn't have the biggest sound presence, mm-hmm. uh, the, the stage presence. But it's sort of like the Radiohead thing. There are a couple of guys in there that have a halfway decent stage presence. There are a couple of guys just stand there 
and the ones that stand there like yeah but i i make the millions of dollars making the good songs like i create these songs you know or whatever um yeah. so I, I would just okay. say man we, we're gonna have to cut the newcomer you know last in first out you know downsizing a little bit <laughs> but nothing against him eric avery is a is a wholesome dude too it's a hard it's it'll be a hard cut to make not sort of a you know obviously this dude's out or whatever right 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 uh okay i'll, I'll take your word for it because sure. you you know this band better than i do sure uh, i'll have some very strong opinions on the bands that uh that i'm handling here okay, okay. um the, the other question is, um, like, sight unseen, you're not allowed to do any homework beforehand. Sure. Someone comes to you right now and says, you're going to trade bank accounts with any one member of Garbage. Do you take the deal? I do. Yeah, I think with Garbage, I think I do. Yeah. Like, I don't get the sense that they're one of those bands that have, like, six divorces and... Right. Like they all seem like, from what you've said, relatively level-headed people. Right. Combined and, with the fact that they are, this is. I'm trying to think about somebody who's just as prolific uh, as Butch Vig. Um, man. Well, for him, for sure. Yeah. Right. I, where yeah, it's like no this doubt. guy, like take take or leave his side gig. Like he is the guy mm-hmm. that Dave Grohl is like, hey, look, man, I'm drowning and millions of dollars coming in the door all the time. Can you come hang out with us for six months while we fuck around right. in the studio? Butch Vig <laughs> is doing good. I don't know I don't know if his drinking habit is to the epic proportion that that could be a problem or the money spending or anything right. like that. He, he, they all impress me as just regular old sort of mm-hmm. Wisconsin Midwest boys, right? And then she's from Scotland. She's got a little bit different kind of an attitude or whatnot. But um, yeah, his bank account is safe no matter what. Just the royalties alone. The guy I produced, never mind. Yeah, all, yeah, everything even though, that Dave Grohl's no doing, one, all that other stuff and whatnot, dude, the checks are just rolling in from that. I've got to be... Well, um, I think we've um, we've covered many topics. I think we have. I think we've covered garbage many topi- uh, to, my, to my satisfaction, for sure. Like, I'm not sitting here coming up with a whole bunch of new... Oh, I wish I had said it. You know, it's a no, so- solid I, band, solid sound, uh, wholesome, and... Uh, uh, worth a listen if you've heard a couple of songs and you like them like it, it it's they are not going to disappoint you it, that sound is consistent that those themes of the songs lyrically are consistent her little sultry voice and whatnot does not change into something mm-hmm. where she's suddenly becoming mariah carey or celine dion it's a style and they That's stick with good. it and it works and it and it does to well, some degree transcend time a little because it didn't quite fit it felt like i said like it was the next thing. Like maybe everybody's going to sound like this in a few years and that didn't really happen. Yeah. It's interesting. And that's good to know. Cause like I, you, you never know what, um, you know, what, once you start to peel back the onion, what does right. the rest of it sound like? Right. Is it really worth a deep dive? Like when I heard like, when I heard passion pits, take a walk and I was like, man, that's a great song. Sure, I love that sure. song. I want to listen to the rest of passion pit. And I'm like, Oh, this is terrible. Right. This is so bad. Right. Like, this is n- none of these sound anything like take a walk. Right. Like, exactly. These it, guys it, should consider doing more stuff like that. They yeah. make a lot more money. <laughs> more like, like this stuff is so like, man, they, they have this one outlier. That's a hit. And then they're like, Nope, we don't want to do any more of that. Yeah. Do this other stuff that no one listens to. Temperamental artists, um, man. This goes back to yeah, uh, Noel Gallagher but, saying, dude, we are so lucky to have fans period. What the fuck is wrong with all of you guys? Like being like, but they don't love yeah. me for who I really am and how I've changed. It's like, no, they don't, man. Yeah. That's, <laughs> you know, they, they want what they know and it's okay to evolve and, and change. Um, but it's weird when even like within the album, one song sounds like a, a hit and has a great hook yeah. and sounds great. And the rest of them sound absolutely nothing like that whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it sounds like garbage does not suffer from that. So I will no. have to give it a deep dive. Cool, I mean, I'm excited. Yeah. Ready to be a garbage, get me my garbage uh, uh, pennant and foam finger. <laughs> you put up on the wall. Cool, man. I think they would and, be uh, interesting definitely, to see. Definitely want to see them. Yeah. 
Next time they come to town, I'm going to make it a point to try. I've, I've tried to make it a point, but it always, you know, stuff gets in the way and you yeah. can't go that night. But yeah, exactly. I definitely want to, uh, back when, you know, someday when bands can tour again, definitely <laughs> want to try to Absolutely. try to go see them. Definitely into it. So cool. Cool, man. Very good. Another All right. success. All right. Another great success. That's a wrap.